We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. So, so there's, um, there's some things that I want to teach at DSTP. Um, DSTP is a discipleship and stewardship training program. DSTP is what prepares us for the, as it were, formal. Yeah? Formal, because God said he has started. Yeah? Formal inception of word abiding house and it's word hyphen abiding. Not the word that is abiding, but a house of people that are abiding in, abiding by the word. Does that make sense? Hence his word hyphen abiding house. A house of word abiding people. A house of people that abide by the word. Everybody knows that the word of God abides forever. The problem now is to have a people that will abide by the word that abides forever. Make sense? So we are a word-abiding house. Um, so as, as, as a run-up to that official launch, and we're going to run the DSTP program, which, we, we, as we know, is slightly delayed because we're still on the venue thing, and we're making progress with that. So those of you who are here um, and haven't been a part of it or, or have been a part of it, please don't resist the leading of the Lord to, 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 to get you to jump on board. It was in the New Testament that they said, it is more blessed to give. And to receive. And they said, Jesus said it. Now, we don't see it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is not surprising because John makes it clear that not everything Jesus did and said was written. Are we together? As our Lord himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So we can take it on good authority that Jesus said that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And Jesus says it was, it's more blessed to give than to receive. The liberal soul shall be made fat. And he that watereth himself shall be watered. It's a scriptural principle. You know. So, so, so uh, we, that is still on. We're making progress. God is really helping us with that. Yesterday, a, a, a few people walked up to me at the end of, of, of more. And they said, Pav, why do we have to close? It's only 8.30. Why can't we be here till 9? 9.30. Some of us can stay. And I said, yes, I know. But this is not our place. And they were, they were shocked. And so I said to her, don't worry. We're coming. Are coming very soon. If you want to leave at 8, leave. You want to leave at 8.30, leave. You want to leave at 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock. Then the last person is the one that James will drive out. <laughs> and lock the place. Because by that time, I may have already gone. Because by that time, I'll have a house of my own. You know now I'm squatting. Yeah. <laughs> that time, I'll have a house of my own. I can leave you people there. Singing, you have capture, Maya, Maya, consume. <laughs> I will just capture my family and go where I belong. So I'm looking forward to those times. I really am. And so that's part of what is delaying DSTP and a few other things as well. God is doing amazing things in this house, you know. Amazing, amazing things. There's a lot of happening in the undercurrent that we cannot see. A lot of very exciting things that God is doing. So, yeah. Um, so I've delayed DSTP. I couldn't possibly hold DSTP here. You'll agree with me, right? We can't, we can't do DSTP here. Um, but there's a few things I want to teach. And what we're doing with DSTP, again, Discipleship and Stewardship Training Program, DSTP, is we're going to be looking at doctrine. Yeah, doctrine correctly. Doctrine on, what's our doctrine on giving? What's the word is doctrine on, on communal worship? What's the word doctrine on the Lord's Supper? I mean, we talked about that briefly on that Friday. All right? And so you had an, an, an idea now of what the scriptural doctrine for the Lord's Supper is. And we're stripping away what denominations. By the way, if you don't know, what abiding house, by the time we, we're not a denomination. We're not Pentecostal, charismatic, uh, evangelical, whatever. We're just the body of Christ abiding by the word. Right? We are the fullness of the expression of Christ's finished work in the earth. He didn't, he didn't institute denominations. Do you understand? And so that's why I'm taking time to get the foundation right. Do you appreciate that? Taking time. I'm not raising a bunch of sissies. Uh, you are in church, you are serving, you are in choir, 
you are in ushering, you are in food department, and, and you cannot explain the dynamics of the faith, the basic principles of the faith. They're only helpful to your pastor. And your pastor is a sissy. To be using people that are not grown in the world because our, our ministry is not to raise servants for God. <laughs> our ministry is not to raise servants. It's to, it's to raise sons that become a bride for Christ. We're not called to raise servants. The reason why we're slaving over you is to present you full in the fullness of the stature, the nature of the stature of Christ. A perfect man lacking nothing. That's what Paul and James say. So if we bring into a place and we turn you into workers, workers in the vineyard. <laughs> I wanted to teach you. I'm not saying teaching. Workers in the vineyard. Workers. Workers. Workers meeting. Workers training. If we show you Christ, you walk. Walk. Don't need to threaten you. If we show you Christ and you don't want to walk, you are not of us. First John 2, we'll ask you to leave. I will ask you to leave. Because again, you don't have to be with us. The kingdom is very big. You don't have to be in the earth. The kingdom is very big. I don't have to be your pastor. And if you, if you are showing you Christ and you can't line up, you can't give, you can't connect, you can't show up, you can't be on time, We'll announce, we'll tell you privately once, twice, then we'll announce it in church service. That's how the early church was. Don't take your responsibility. Because once whatever you tolerate will amplify. In this crucial season, whatever you tolerate will amplify. So we're not trying to do church, you know, but we're trying to raise sons that we go out and anybody can discern between right. And wrong by reason of use. Everybody understands the fullness of Christ's finished work, and it's not a mystery that is reserved for only the pastor. I have no delight in feeling like I'm the only one that knows. Those of you who are around me know by now. There's no delight in that. So we're stretching and pushing these things. And so there's a lot on my mind that I want to share to get things right. And one of them I, I mentioned last week that we're going to start looking at the Kingdom Culture series, right? Understanding and unpacking the kingdom culture. And over the, over the past few weeks, couple of weeks to be precise, God has been dealing with me about the honor code. code. You know honor. Unpacking the honor code. So it's, we're starting... <laughs> man, I'm afraid of what I'm about to say. But we're starting a kingdom culture series um, with unpacking the honor code. Honor. Let me say honor. Um, and it's... American is spelled H-O-N-O-R. British, which I prefer actually, is H-O-N-O-U-R. The honor code. Unpacking the honor code. I probably just I'm not I'm not even sure I'll lay up to the foundation today, but we'll, <laughs> we'll probably just drop a few blocks in. You know. Where I come from, they say bricks, right? few bricks. Here they say blocks. Yeah. <laughs> we'll drop a few blocks in, right? And we'll see how we go. Kingdom culture, and every time we spell that, there's a hashtag kingdom culture with the D. Yeah? So, I am kingdom culture. Does that make sense? If you want to see the kingdom culture, look at me. I am already it. Alright, so we spell hashtag Kingdom Cultured, capital K and capital C. Kingdom Cultured, every time we spell that online, we're Kingdom Cultured people. So this teaching is Kingdom Cultured, hyphen, unpacking the honor code. It's probably be, probably be six parts <laughs> or something. But this is an attempt at, at part one. What is a code? A code, like he said, is a systematic set of instructions that a developer 
has put together to enable a program or an application understand what the developer wants it to do and do it. Do you understand? So when you pick your, your phone and you start to type and you're pressing your keypad and A is, you know, jumps out at you and the D jumps out at you, it had been predetermined by the programmer or the developer that this thing will respond like this. But what the chip is receiving is not your A and B. Does that make sense? It's a number of, of indices and figures and, 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 and symbols, right? Binary codes, binaries that enable... So if you see this code and that code and that code, should enable you type A. Make sense? When you tap your power button, that code and that code and that code should make the thing go off. When it hangs, it's because you have received that and that and that and that instruction that conflicts with that and that and that. That's what a code does. Make sense? So when you appreciate an app, it's, the app is only as great as the person that programmed the code. Does that make sense? So the, the, the code is the back end of anything that operates. Are we following? The back end of what operates. The same thing applies to a website. You look at it and it's beautiful. You click it and it answers. You click that and it answers. If you go in the back end, all you see is all kinds of stuff. Asterisks. You know, parentheses, some stuff that don't make any sense, x, 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 dot, dot, forward slash, backslash. So somebody appreciates stuff on the front end, but a code is actually what is in the back end, giving or interpreting the instructions for something to work as it should. Make sense? Make sense? So over the, over this, over the series of the Kingdom Culture series, we'll be looking at codes. Things that we can take from the finished work of Christ, unpack them, from the back end. This is our back end. You know that, right? So we go out there. That's front end, right? So we unpack them in our back end, enable us to interpret them so that we can do business with them. And by business, I don't mean make money. I mean transact with them. All right? So don't take this series lightly at all. Don't take it lightly. Unpacking the honor code. What then is honor? We understand what a code is. What is honor? The Hebrew word for honor is a very interesting word. What, do you remember the Hebrew word for glory? I told you in this heart. Yeah. Kabod. In the Hebrew. And in the Greek is what? Dogza. And what do they mean? Something weighty. Something of essence. Now the Hebrew word for glory is kabed or kabed. So it's kabod but with an E instead of an O. Very interesting. For honor. Kabed. K-A-B-E-D but pronounced Kabed. K-A-W. Pronounced K-A-W stroke B-E-D. K-A-B-E-D. Kabed. Just as glory is K-A-B-O-D. Kabod. Now maybe I should say this here. That's what I said. I'm not sure if this is going to be completely part one. But right, K-A-B-E-D. That's the Hebrew word for honor. And I'm trying, I'm trying my best when it comes to teaching to not rush you guys. Do you appreciate that? Yes. So that you learn, you know, and, and you can teach as well. Right? Um, but, but here's something I want, to, I want to throw in when it comes to understanding biblical interpretation. When you have to consider a scripture you read in the Bible... Google is not your friend. Okay. Google is not your friend. Google, Google's definition of glory is not what glory is. Okay. The Englishman's definition of glory is not what glory is. The Englishman's definition of honor is not what honor is when used in a biblical context. Do you understand that? It's, it's not the same thing. Like the word holy. The word holy in the Hebrew, is kadosh. Spelt kwadosh. Q-A-D-O-S-H or Q-O-U-D-O-S-H or Q-A-D-O-S-H, whatever derivative you get. Kadosh. And the word kadosh, for why we say holy, to means to be something, you know, like this. Holy just means for something to be removed from and removed to. That's what it means. 
to be set apart. So when something is called holy, it means that he, he who designates a thing as consecrated just takes anything and says, because of the value I want to place on you, I make you this from that to that. <laughs> Do you understand? That's what Kadosh. To separate from and to separate to. Some people translate it set apart. But it's not an act of the object. It's an act of the designator of the holiness. So you cannot be holy. It's until you are designated holy. Do you understand? You cannot be righteous until righteousness is imputed to you. It is exclusively an act of God. Do we understand? So he takes a chalice, you know, the wine, the wine glass made of steel or brass, as the case may be in the temple, and he says, because you are going to serve the wine, I, I now dub thee holy. I've removed you from serving normal stuff to serving temple stuff, so you're holy. I've removed this, this blind from covering it in my house. Okay, let me give you a classic example. Who did I go with recently to high quality? I know, how many of you know how expensive blinds are? Good blinds. Spend, I know how much money. <laughs> we know how much money these blinds cost. I walked into high quality and I saw the same blinds on that window on the right. I died. I'm like, can you? They look so dirty, so God forsaken. They look like a nest of cockroaches. You know, it was just there on that. We know, you know, when, you, when the, the counter to the right just looked they're terrible. They looked sad. Yeah. Yeah, they looked very sad, very dejected. I'm telling you. They looked, they looked terrorized. They were traumatized. And I was saying to, Meanwhile, by virtue of the pedantic person that I am, you know, I don't like to see the blinds out of place. Like that first one now. It's Adam's breath that has pushed it. Yeah. The first and the second one, there's that space in between. You know? So I'm thinking to myself, okay, so in my own crib, I make sure that my blinds are nicely looked after. I nearly killed my painter for staining those ones at the back. Remember that time when he was painting the top? Yeah, James? <laughs> Almost killed him. So as far as I'm concerned, I made my blinds holy by virtue of their use. The Happy Foods guys don't give a toss about their blinds. So their blinds are unholy, not because they chose to be unholy, but because whoever had the authority did not designate them holy. So they have not been treated as holy. But because I designated my blinds holy, I make sure they are treated as holy. And even the unholy state of the same material somewhere else does not take away the holy state of mind. It has nothing to do with the blinds. Does this drive it home for anyone? It's the designator that does the designating. He makes you holy. And the word there is kadosh, to be separated from and to be separated to by the one who does the separation. So the moment he translated us, Colossians, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light or the kingdom of his son of his love, he made us holy. First Peter 2, right? First Peter 2, 9, I believe. For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy, by designation, not by works. But when you look at holy from the English, it will tell you something totally different. So it's important to look at the words in the context of what they meant in the original language that they were written. That's why we do this. We're not trying to show that we're geeks or that we're nerds. We're trying to get to the root of what a word means. Do we understand? So the, the Hebrew word for um, honor is kabed. And it means for something essentially to be impressive. It, 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 
It's a very, very, very big word. It's used both positively and negatively, which is very interesting. Yeah, in the Bible. Very, very interesting. When, when Pharaoh's heart was lifted in himself, in his pride, to say he would not let his people go. That, 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 that lifting of, of himself in, in sin and pomposity and um, Esther, braggadociousness was actually the word kabed. And a bad thing. Depends on, on context. But then God says, honor me. And the word there is kabed. It's a code. So we have to unpack it. Jesus says, now therefore, Father, honor me with the same honor that I have honored you. Something's going on. Honor yourselves, giving esteem to each other above yourselves. There is something going on. So it basically means to, to, for something to be impressive or for something to carry weight, which makes it share meaning somewhat with the word for glory. Because glory means for something to be weighty. Remember? Kabod means for something to be weighty. So they're they're related words, kabed and kabod. So kabed means for something to be impressive, for something to be weighty, for something to be of, of prime importance, for something to have value. Who said value? James. For something to have great value and for that value to be established. So you can understand why the word is used both positively and negatively, or the context rather is both positive and negative. For something to be big, that's what the word honor means. Can I go on? So this then begs the question on this side of the cross. Does God need honor? What does honor do to God? Anybody? It feels like what in life now, right? Does God need glory? Does God need glory? Does God get glory? What does he do with it? Add. Wow. So how are you adding it? If you, if you say add, it means God had three tons of glory. You now came and did Uncommon Presence Breakthrough Conference. You know, added 2 kg to his glory. It's not, it's not like That's not adding now. Huh? You have just repented. Adding means addition, plus. <laughs> is, is that what it means to add? add to addition it, no? That's adding. You can't, but you can't use the word add in, in any respect to God. It's like saying I worship adds to God. You know, God has, before now, God had 75 million CDs of your worship, not Ghanaian CDs, compact disc. Yeah? <laughs> and after you finish today's worship, you now wax. In <laughs> your CD, <laughs> and, and add, you now add it to volume seventy-five million twenty-six. <laughs> so God does not need honor, but God deserves honor, right? God desires honor, and therefore God demands honor. Does that make sense? Three Ds to make it easy for you. Just came from my head. He deserves honor. Does he deserve honor? You know, you know that's all the scream of Jesus in Revelation. Glory and honor. Dominion and power. Be. 
It's a conscious effort to give honor to the Lamb. He deserves honor. Does he deserve honor? And he desires it of us, and he demands it. So part of what the finished work of Christ does in the believer is to bring us into the honor code. Part of what the finished work of Christ does is to do what? To bring us in or to usher us into the honor code. Now the honor code is, okay, right. I told you this was going to be an attempt at introducing this thing. Part of what the finished work does or did was to bring us into or to usher in the honor code. A lot of what we struggle with as believers are not because Christ did not do it. And not because we don't have provision, but because we don't understand the principle of honor. Does anybody agree with what I just said? We don't understand the principle of honor. And the honor code is a reciprocal code. The honor code is a what? You know what that means, right? It means it is reciprocal. It works both ways. You give it, you get it. It's a reciprocal code. So why is the kingdom culture honor code important? Why is it important? We've talked about what a code is. We've talked about what honor is. We've talked about the Hebrew word for it, the kebed, and what it means. We establish the fact that God does not need honor as though he cannot do without it because he's all, just like he's self-glorifying, just as he's self-sufficient, he's also self-honored. But he deserves the honor, just like he deserves the glory, even though he is the king of glory. So God is not short on glory. Right? And, but he, he, in sending, another thing that the finished work of Christ did was to bring us into glory. Remember? Remember? Hebrews 2.10. So there is a glory code. Yeah. It's a glory code. It brought us into glory. It brought many sons into glory. And that's why even Christ in us is the hope of a lot more glory to come. That's why 2 Corinthians 3 says, that as we behold in a face, as, as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image. What image? The glory of the Lord, as by the Spirit of the Lord. There's a glory code in the finished work of Christ. There's a healing code in the finished work of Christ. There's a provision code in the finished work of Christ. So, what we struggle with in life is not a function of the fact that the cross did not pay for it. It's that we need to apply the code. Is this helping anybody? to apply the code. So just as the finished work of Christ ushered us into glory, the finished work of Christ ushered us into honor. The honor code. And that honor code is a reciprocal system. Just like giving is a reciprocal system. True or false? True or false? It's a reciprocal system. So why do we honor God? Why is the kingdom culture honor code important? And I'll just give you one reason for today. Because, and then this, I'm, I'm giving you one because I have to now teach on this one point I'm about to give you before I continue teaching on honor. Because it is one of the communicable attributes of God. It is one of the communicable attributes of God. I've talked about this briefly in Word and Life, communicable attributes of God, two different attributes of God, the communicable attributes of God and the non-communicable attributes of God. The non-communicable attributes of God are the attributes of God that he cannot share or that we cannot share with him. God is omniscient. You are not. You will never be omniscient. God is omnipotent. You're not. God is omnipresent, sister. <laughs> you can't fit. You are not omnipresent. Does that make sense? Yeah? God is eternal. No beginning, no end. 
You, you have a beginning, you just don't have an end. You cannot be as eternal as God. Oh Lord, that has been our dwelling place. Psalm 19 verse 1. In all generations, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou formed the earth and the world, from everlasting, no beginning, no end, to everlasting, no beginning, no end, thou art God. You're not everlasting. He, that's why he had to give you eternal life. You didn't have it before. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. That's why I told somebody one time. I said, me and Christ are bodies. Me and God are not bodies. If you understand it, it will help you. That's what the people that are fighting grace, Lord, they don't understand the dynamics of the kingdom. Me and Christ are mates. Me and God are not mates. I and the son are co-heirs. And the father are not. (laughs) Do you understand? So the son has brought me into equity along with him to the father. That's why I must respect the father. No matter how cool your dad is with you, he's your dad. So So we're not trying to earn his... His, his love, we're not trying to earn his provision, we're not trying to earn his covering, we have that in Christ. Yeah. Are, are we following? Yes, we have sir. that in Christ. But that calls us into a responsibility to honor our Father. Does that make sense? Those are the non-communicable attributes of God. Thanks be to God! They are the communicable attributes of God and Anything God can do that I have permission to do, I want to be the best at it. Anything man can do that God does is what Christ came to pay to ensure we can do. So the, the finished work of Christ takes every ability of God that a man can manifest and imputes it to that man. Do you understand? That's what he did when he meditated between God and man. Did I say six weeks? It begins to look like 12 weeks. <laughs> Do I smell another all day teaching for this? <laughs> Maybe we can do a Sunday morning. All of you churchless people. <laughs> All of you churchless people. <laughs> They'll be driving you in the morning. Find a church and go. Go to church. Be a Christian. You now come out on Sunday morning dressed and sit under one tree. I see you. See you, people. <laughs> See, Daniel is like, oh, Pav, you just spoke my story. Just like in my case, this, the tree has no leaves. <laughs> it's the kind of tree that Jesus cursed. <laughs> Permit me to stretch this for a few more minutes and then we close. Is that okay? It's 7.30 already. So I, I, was, I know. I know. I'll just stretch to 8 and then we'll close just before 8. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, so. So there are everything that man, that God does that man can do was what Christ's finished work ensured passed on to man. Isn't that good news? So you know when we talked about, when we talked about being created in the image and likeness of God, and I made it clear that the image of God is not two eyes, two nose, you know? Please, it's one of the fundamental truths you need to understand as a Christian. Because when scripture talks about body parts in relation to God, it is always figurative, never literal. I'm teaching. When the Bible talks about body parts in relation to God, it is always what? Figurative. And it is never literal. So when the first time it was mentioned was in Egypt, when the sorcerers of Pharaoh could not do the, the last thing, uh, the son's dying, 
or before that, I think it was the eighth or ninth plague, they said, this has got to be the finger of God. Finger. With a blast of his nostril, the Red Sea fled. Ah, they picture God sneezing. But it is God using what you have the natural ability to do to explain the things he does. It is not scripture telling you God has a hand and a nostril. Because God is spirit. He's only regarded in the masculine because he cannot be called an it. Not because he's male. As opposed to female. That's why one of the works again of the finished work of Christ was to delineate male and female. Do you understand? In Christ, there's no male, there's no female, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no bond, there's no free. In Christ. It's again one of the things that the finished work unlocked. Put to pay the gender problem. So you now look at God and think God has hand, two hands, two feet, two nostrils. Two eyes. I've told you before, when four living creatures have eyes all over them and extra wheels that have eyes all over them. But you cannot describe God in physical body parts. He just uses those things in scripture to do what a hand. So picture that you sneeze in a cup. You'll see it. So God uses that analogy or that typology to show you in graphic terms what happened. It doesn't establish that God has a hand and the hand has five fingers. He has placed it on the earth. I am the hand of God in the earth. I am the body of God on the earth. Full body. Does that make sense? By my oneself, I'm the body. Of God on the earth. And then with all of you together, I am a member of the body. <laughs> and again, you notice that it's figurative. Because when Paul is saying, can the eye say to the hand, don't do this. It was all figurative. He was talking about functions in the body of Christ. So the communicable attributes are the attributes of God that we can share. And what are some of his communicable attributes? His glory, right? To a degree. <laughs> honor, the honor code. The working of miracles. Love. Because God is love. And if God is love and he loves us, so also ought we to love one another. You notice that in First John 4, the emphasis is placed on your love for one another as a response for God's love for you. Man, I love to teach God's word. That's why I say stick around. Stick around. So honor or the honor code is one of God's communicable attributes. In other words, it is a God-like nature that we can share with him. Does that make sense? So when I honor in giving and receiving, I'm exhibiting a God-like nature. That is me being God. Does that make sense? Just like kings in Israel, if you remember, were referred to and said, you are gods. Pastors have preached that to mean that all of us are God. No. It was in the fact that the Bible says in the mouth of a king, there is power. In that psalm, it was dealing with the kings. Go and read it. It was dealing, it was speaking to the kings and the judges of Israel at the time. And even not in a positive sense. If you read the psalm. And it says you are gods. Talking about their kingly attribute. 
as a communicable attribute of God. Because again, it is a communicable attribute of God. That's why Paul tells uh, Peter, says in, I think, 1 Peter 3, if we'll get to that, he says, honor one another, um, respect God, honor the king. And the king there was not referring to Jesus. It was referring to the earthly king, referring to civil authority, wherever it is constituted that you find yourself. Does that make sense? Honor code. It's a communicable attribute of God. Selflessness is a communicable attribute of God. For he humbled humility is a communicable attribute of God. For he humbled himself to death, even the death on the cross. He made himself of no repute, right? But took on the form of a servant, right? Humility. So honor or the honor code, is a communicable attribute of God. The honor code is also important. The kingdom-cultured honor code is also important because it establishes and showcases worth and value. So that's where your words begin to come into play. They are not honoring themselves, but they are expressions of honor. Does that make sense? So value is not honor. Value is an expression of honor. Make sense? All the words you began to call, all of them, interestingly, nobody said anything wrong. But if you looked at English, they will give you these things as synonyms for honor, perhaps. Are you following? But they are not synonyms. They are not at par. They are all expressions of honor. Does that make sense? You cannot simply be said to have worshipped because you gave. You cannot simply be said to have worshipped because you sang. You cannot simply be said to have prayed because you closed your eyes. But these are expressions of they help you to understand better what your state of being is. In that particular dimension. Does that make sense? So if I, if I worship, I give. My worship cannot be complete without giving. So whenever you said you have worshipped and you have not given of your substance, you did not worship. So for some of you here, you have not started worshipping yet. Sing all you want. Play all you want. Pray all you want. In the same vein... I cannot be said to have worshipped if I don't play an instrument and sing. But worship is not my instrument and singing. Because I can do that and not have worshipped. But I cannot have worshipped and not have done that. Does that make sense? Are you sure? So in the same vein, honor is expressed in value, is expressed in loyalty, is expressed in distinction or distinguishing the object of your honor, is expressed in reverence, is expressed in respect, is uh, expressed in integrity, is expressed in value, is expressed in esteem. Somebody said that. Is expressed in, what are the other words? In veneration, in adulation. Who said adore? Was it favor? I said adore. Or was it glory? Yeah, adulation, that's the word so for adore. Um, what are the other words? For, in regard, these are all expressions of the honor code. Is this making sense? Honor establishes worth and value. In First Samuel 24, 24, well, prior to that, David had just won a victory and he wanted to give an offering to the Lord and he came upon this this um, threshing floor belonging to a, a lovely man called Arauna. And when Arauna found out it was David who wanted the place to give an offering to the Lord, Arauna said, you can have it. And David in, in 1 Samuel 24, 24 said, God forbid, I will not give to the Lord that which will not cost me something. 
what did he establish there? Honor code. The worth of God to him. He could get it for free. He refused. Does that make sense? Jesus says, I of my own, I do nothing but that which I see the Father do. And I, all of this is done that the Father might be glorified in the Son. What did he establish there? The honor code. So if we're Christ-like and Christ-finished work brings us into equal standing with him before the Father, then we, it behooves us to operate in the same honor code that Christ operated in. And then unlock the results that Christ got. Glorify me now, Father, with the glory I have shared with you since the world began. Have you considered some of the prayers Jesus prayed? Glorify me now with the glory you and I have shared from the beginning. (laughs) Has anybody unpacked it? Glorify me, son of man, with what son of God has shared with you from the beginning. Because glorify me now was implying at the point he was praying it, that glory was not present. But as son of God, the word, in the beginning with God, he has had it with the father. Yeah. Are, you, are you understanding? Hey. It establishes and showcases worth and value. It also sets a precedence for others to understand your value system. The honor code is important because it sets a precedence for other people to understand your value system. I'll give you a quick physical example as soon as you're done writing. So honor, the honor code is important because it's a communicable attribute of God. It is also important because it establishes our, our understanding of worth or our, our understanding establishes and showcases worth and value. And also because it sets a precedence for others to understand your value system. So you come to my house. How many of you ever, ever, when you came here, even from my former house, how many of you ever needed to be told to take your shoes off? Anybody in the room that had to be told when you came here the first time to take your shoes off? You got here, you saw shoes packed, and you knew that this is the garage <laughs> for shoes. True or false? Some, at, at some, some of you here have begun to tidy your legs and your feet because of word and life. Because you know, if you remove your shoe, we can pass out. <laughs> so the first day you came, I, I've to, how many of you remember the story I told you when I was in the Gambia of a, a, a client that came to my house for me to produce him? Yeah? <laughs> came to my house. I said, please remove your shoes. I removed it. Entered. I, when he entered, I said, brother, please. <laughs> Wear your shoes back. He said, no, pastor, I don't want to dirty your fine rug. I said, I will wash it. He said, no, pastor. I said, is it not wrong? Wear your shoe. Lovely guy. He didn't get offended. He didn't. Oh. My house was not the same again. Move the shoes. My God. I was begging. He said, pastor, but I will feel bad. I said, feel bad. Is that your, is it your rug? I wash it. Oh, brush it. Wear your shoe. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Wear it. But generally, you came, you saw the shoes, you packed it. You removed your side, packed it. Nobody had to tell you. Why? Because a precedent had been established. And how was the president established? Those that are closest to me who are around all the time, you know, Esther, Stephanie, you know, the boys, William, uh, uh, James, Sema, Sylvia, those of you who, are, who hang around, you, you don't see me come and then it's my house for so me to wear slippers in. I established value and that value I established set a precedent. Does that make sense? Do as I say and not as I do. It's not a kingdom principle. Because Paul says, follow me. 
as I'm following Christ. Imitate me. So Paul was convinced that he was, or at least was determined to be, the model that they saw and followed. Does that make sense? So the honor code sets a precedence for your value system. So people look at you, and by virtue of who and what you honor, and who and what honors you, they can tell what your honor code is like. Does that make sense? I was telling my wife the other day, and I'm saying it in this house, I'm saying it in one in life, I will not invite, first of all, I'm not big on inviting guest ministers or whatever. Nobody begins to build a house without first of all sitting down and counting the cost. And Paul makes it clear, not Old Testament. Paul, unpacking the Old Testament, says that's what scripture meant when he says, do not muzzle the ox that plows. If we minister to you in spiritual things, is it such a difficult thing? For, us, for you to minister to us in physical things. It's a scriptural principle. Paul only exercised is he made it clear in the time of the Corinthian church because of how twisted they were. He said, we decided to waive that right among you. So that you not come and say it was you that made us rich. To the Corinthian church particularly. Even indicted them to the point of telling them, you guys are so, so messed up that I'm, I'm robbing other churches to look after you. So you do all of that. I said, me, if, I'm, if I ever have to invite somebody, if the person is coming from Lagos to Calabar to Wadabadi House, he will fly first class or he's not coming. It's not my force. Okay, business class is all we have for domestic flights. That's why he's going to fly. Because of the honor code and the fact that it is reciprocal. And we are like Christ. If Jesus was on the earth and you invited him, how would you fly him? Go and do likewise. I finished preaching the message. Because when you see me as you see Jesus, you will honor me as you honor Jesus. The word kabed is used of God to man, man to God and man to man. The honor code. That's what Christ died for. God to man, man to God, man to man. That's the honor code. Unpacked. If Jesus were here, how would you honor him? Are you following what I'm teaching you? That's what Christ died for. He died to equate us all to one another. So in honoring ourselves, we honor him. And in honoring him, he honors us with the honor we already have in Christ. Do you understand? It's the honor code. It sets a precedence. I said, if, if, if we have to plan for a year, that's fine. You're coming from Lagos to Calabar to preach for Pav. To me, I will fly you business class or you are not coming. And I want to have a church that understands the honor code and not stifle the ox that plows the land. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Not called to do this wrongly. Not called to do it wrongly. I was telling her, she thought I was joking. I said, my dream, James, is in this Calabar. I want to have an airport tarmac pass. Me. I'm saying it publicly so that you know. I want to have an airport tarmac pass. And I invite, I invite Nathaniel Bassi, just, just worship leader, to come and sing. Or Chintok, Ishaku, to come and bless us. And we can drive that car onto the tarmac and pick him up on the tarmac. The way he will minister, you will see the difference. Jesus himself complained of it. A prophet is not without honor. The word, kabed. He's not without impression. He's not without weight. Except in his own home among his own people. That's not our portion here. It's different. It says Jesus went to Galilee. And he could not do much there. Have you seen your Bible? Because they didn't honor him. He just, he just, made a, he just healed a few sick. So the least miracles Jesus performed were in his own place. Where all they saw was the carpenter's son. 
are not his mother and brothers among us. They didn't know the honor code. That's his mother's. I don't want, I don't want to take this home yet because it's still early. <laughs> it's still early. Next reason why the honor code is so important. Is this helping anybody? And this is this follows on from the previous point. Please, sorry. Let's let's read let's read the scripture. Matthew eight about setting the precedence about your value system. Matthew eight, eight to ten. If you find it, read very quickly. I hate the fact that I have to close this thing now. I hate it. 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 Nelson, you were with me in Portacot when I preached there. Sylvia, you were with me when I said there were only two instances in the Bible where Jesus was amazed. Both instances had to do with faith and honor. Both of them had to do with one person honoring him with such faith he had never seen before. The other person, the other time had to do with him being amazed at their absence of faith and absence of honor. The only two times. You were with me now? Only two times Jesus was amazed, perplexed in the Bible was the presence of faith and honor and the absence of faith and honor. Those are the only two times Jesus went, wow. Only two times. A Roman centurion unlocked the honor code. He says, no, let me, let me, let me unpack it for you briefly. Maybe it will just stop there, here. Let me unpack it for you. What that guy was saying was, Jesus, no, you don't need to come to my house. Not because I, be, I know you have power. Mm-hmm. Not because I know you're anointed. But because I understand how this honor system works. Yeah. Me, as I am like this, a Roman centurion, I am only over 100 soldiers. A centurion is one who is in charge of 100 soldiers. If you didn't know that before, know now. Okay? Centurion, century. Soldier over 100. Soldiers. I have a man of authority, but the man that is under a thousand, that is over a thousand soldiers is my boss. I can tell a hundred to go and they go. Somebody who is in charge of my battalion and a few other battalions can also tell me to go and I go. And if that guy tells me to go, the people under me cannot refuse that order. If it comes from me, it is as coming from he above me. I know that what is terrorizing my boy is a demon. I know that you are greater than a demon. So I know that if you release a word, you don't need to come. The demons will know that it was you that sent the word. (laughs) Do you you understand it now? You don't need to come. If my boss can give me an instruction... How many people fighting in Sambisa Forest have met the chief of general staff, of army staff? Chief of, none of them. Perhaps none. A few of them just got promoted recently by one rank. They always stepped up. One, one. And they received those commendations. They haven't received the handshake of Butarai. They don't know him. But when the field commander, Borno, says, chief of army staff says... They don't say, but we didn't see chief of army staff. Are you following me? They don't, they don't say that. It's as good as coming from the chief of army staff. And if it's coming from Butara, it's coming from Buhari, who is the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. Are you following me? So when Trump says, I am going to bomb North Korea, Trump will never ever press a trigger. He will never ever fly a plane. But who bombed North Korea? Trump. <laughs> Do you understand? When George W. Bush went to war in Iraq, Americans lost over 3,000 soldiers. Who went to war? George Bush. Did he go? No. No. Who killed Osama bin Laden? Barack Obama. Did he go? No. No. Sent Navy SEALs. Sat there watching it on 3D on screen. Give the word. And for him, it was a do-or-die affair to cement his legacy. Say what you want of, of, of Obama. He killed Osama. Obama killed Osama. His word was as good as law. 
Are you following me? Are you following me? So Roman centurion understood that. He said, no, no. I'm, if, if I understand how this thing works. If you have any power, because he was just checking out the power. Of, I understand hierarchy. I understand the honor code. If you speak a word, you being who you are. Ah. But it's, not, it's done. If you're with me at KPM, I said in every word God releases is the capacity for the word to come to pass. And the reality that what he said can come to pass has come to pass. Jesus was like, wow! Jesus was like, wow! Who understands this? I've never seen such faith. You know, at that point, whatever, that, the guy was not wise. Because if I was Roman centurion, I would have told you to send a word to my village. Send a word to my bank account. Send a word to my... Do you understand what I'm saying? Send a word for my promotion. Send because at that point he had unpacked the... He had taught Jesus where nobody else had. Do you understand? He had Jesus. Just like Solomon had God. At the point of that sacrifice. Establishing a precedence for how much it is worth to him. Somebody came to see me in this town and says, there's a gift that is on you that I want. I want to go into public speaking. I want to begin to host events in this city. And I, I convert it of you. And I just spoke to him briefly and I was done as, as normal with all of you that come to see me. When he was leaving, he left an envelope. The envelope moved mountains. I was shocked. That night, I prayed for him top up. It is, it's the honor code. Some of you come and all you come to do is collect both the anointing and the money and the food and the water and the AC. You don't understand the honor code. Is this helping anybody? Last. Next point. Let's finish this. It attracts after its kind. The honor code attracts after its kind. Somebody, First Samuel 2.30. Somebody, John 12.26. Somebody, James 4.67. The kingdom culture honor code is a communicable attribute of God. It establishes and showcases worth and value. First Samuel 24.24. It sets a precedence for others to understand your value system. Matthew 8.8-10. It attracts after its kind, 1 Samuel 2.30, John 12.26, James 4, 6, and 7. And I said earlier that everything Christ died for, is part of what Christ died for, right? Part of the finished works, ushered us into the honor code. 1 Samuel 2.30, John 12.26, James 4, 6, and 7. Read, quickly, out loud. Yeah. What translation is that? Okay. Yeah, any, any other translation? John 12, 26. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Do you see that? Anyone who serves me will follow me. He'll be where I am and my father will honor him. So is it reciprocal? Does he attract after his kind? James, four six to seven, or or and James first. Four, six to seven, yeah. NKJV. When he gives more grace, therefore he says, "God resists the proud." Yeah. But give grace to the humble. Yeah. Therefore submit to God. Mm-hmm. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Yeah. He gives grace to the humble. Humility attracts grace. It attracts after his kind. Honor is reciprocal. I'll show you in the New Testament because Christ is our. Honor code demystified. And I'll end there. Christ is our example. You know that, right? In all things. Right? For the New Testament believer, Christ is our example in all things. And he is our honor code demystified by just unpacking what is no longer hidden. Demystified? D E. M-Y-S-T-I-F-I-E-D. D-E-M-Y-S. 
De- yeah, demystified. No. Christ's example is our honor code demystified. And we shall pick it up from there. I don't know when, man. It's part of the finished works. Unpacking the honor code. It will change your life, literally. Some of you already seen things differently. It will change your life. It will change your life. It will change your life. It's not, it's, the problem is not that Christ's work was not sufficient. It's that we haven't understood how to unlock it. It was the same thing Mary did that set him up in John chapter 2. Remember? Oh man, what have I to do with you? Ah, whatever he tells you to do. He's my son. Oh. I know him. Leave those why he's called me woman. He's my son. Do you understand? Because you must look at it in context. He just dismissed her publicly. Go and go home. Try. Your mother is asking you to come and eat. You now open your mouth and tell you, my woman! I told you I'm not hungry. Go and try it. Tell me later. Some of you are picturing it already, right? Go back and say, your mom said, this water has finished. Pure water has finished. Woman! I'm just coming from church. Go and try it. And Jesus just said to her pop, publicly in a wedding reception, Woman, what have I to do with you? What's your own? But she understood that this child was not mine. So there was no point in the life of Mary that she ever treated Jesus as a normal kid. She understood the honor code. So please, he shouted at me, Don't worry, call me woman, I know. But please, this one, this Jesus. I mean, you guys have not seen him manifest yet. I have raised him for 30 years. Angels have appeared to my husband on behalf of this one. Are you following the context? He has gotten missing at 12 years old. Teaching scholars. He has done some weird things. Who knows if at 14 years old, Jesus was bringing rats back to life. John said if everything was written of Jesus, there would not be enough books to contain it. So I, I imagine Jesus cut the lizard's head. And then just look at it, it's a big joined back. And Joseph is, is cutting the wood and he will overcut it and spoil the wood because he's watching Jesus do things. Jesus is, I mean, Harry Potter couldn't be more exciting than Jesus. I'm sure Jesus was just lifting things, you know, and just do, and his mother is there and I watch it and I, wow, this boy will keep pressing. <laughs> and so she now says to them, I've watched this kid. He has not manifested publicly. But trust me, in the house and in the workshop. <laughs> because he was a capital, remember? Yeah. In the house and in the workshop. J. So please, whatever he, this one tells you to do, do it. And that was the unlocking of his public ministry. In, in two sentences, between woman, my time has not yet come. In the same minute, the time that had not yet come, came. May God give us understanding. Christ is our honor code demystified. We'll pick it up when next we meet, whenever that is. Have a good night. I love you all. Begin to practice what you've already learned, right? And practice it. Practice the honor code. All right? See you when we see you. Friday, maybe. It'd be great if we did a Friday evening. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.